0: Are you ready to go offside? Because it's time for Offside Hockey Talk with your host, James Roberts, and myself, Doug Ireland. Morgan Riley starts out. He backpedals it to uh, Matthews, who comes to the line and in on the right side. It goes to Tavares. Tavares along the wall. Matthews gets it to Nealander. Henry pass! Scores! Tyson
1: Berry! The new model of power play at Tyson Berry! buries a centering pass from Willie Nylander, and the Leafs lead it 3-1. to one. Coyotes get one, but not nearly enough tonight as the Toronto Maple Leafs begin the Sheldon-Keefe era with a 3-1 road victory over the Coyotes. Well, Doug, it feels like it's been an eternity, and as you just heard right there on the clips on the intro, coming on in, hot and fresh for your ears That's right. Sheldon Keefe picks up not one, but two victories this weekend. And Tyson Berry, ooh, baby, gets his first as a Toronto Maple Leaf. But the funny thing about that is, Doug, now Sheldon Keefe has as many road wins as Mike Babcock did in those 25 games coming in. So, Doug, nah. how are you feeling about the coaching change and Sheldon Keefe so far? I know it is absolutely keeper madness. That just can't, that doesn't sound right. That he already is,
0: that's the number, the number of road wins that just does not, that does not compute in my brain. I cannot, I, I, I'm speechless at that, quite frankly. Um, you know, uh, I don't want to get into singing Mike Babcock's praises uh, too much, uh, just because of the current environment. And I'm sure we're going to talk about that in a little bit, but it uh, we said on the last episode that we needed to change and (laughs) we got the change that I think that, uh, lots of Leafs nation at least wanted. I'm not sure that both of us wanted, uh, wanted it, but, uh, maybe we did and we didn't know it. Um, it certainly seems like, uh, it could be the beginning of something. Uh, there's that uh, that Twitter video floating around of John Tavares uh, that just gives you chills up your spine. I highly recommend you watch it where they're, they're talking in the dressing room after Keefe's first win. Uh, if you haven't seen that, you, you got to it's, uh, it's going to become a part of Leafs lore I have a I have a feeling, or at least I uh, Maybe if not a feeling, I at least certainly Hope it does, because it uh, signals that bigger Things are to come, so yeah
1: Didn't that excitement, though, in that room when they gave him the puck And they did everything there, didn't that seem So genuine? Yes. It didn't seem yeah. You know, like, and I know this has been Talked about on other podcasts, but I feel the same way It didn't seem like that regular, yay Clap, it was like, Yes! you know and fresh life fresh feeling and And that's the way they felt and i I don't know it just seems so genuine
0: and it's hard to get that when you have those uh those leaf report leaf record whatever the heck it's called uh leaf blueprint cameras right in your face like it's it can take a lot of genuinity away knowing that people are going to be watching what you're saying and it just seemed like in that moment none of them cared so that's that's a really good sign
1: Well, it definitely is a good sign, and you are right, Doug. There is a shitstorm swirling around the Toronto Maple Leafs in regards to the Mike Babcock era in Toronto. A lot of things coming out, a lot of things breaking down. We are going to touch on that in just a moment, but let's focus on the positives for just a minute here. Sheldon Keefe becomes the new coach of the Toronto Maple Leafs, and instantly there is differences. Instantly he is trying to get guys to play... You know, to their strength. And that's something that I was saying on the Four Pillars episode. You know, unfortunately, Babcock seemed to have lost touch. He wasn't playing Barry where he needed to be. And that was my prime example. But you look at it now, and you look at Tyson Barry getting the jump up in the play. You're looking at Tyson Barry on the first power play unit being a quarterback. And lo and behold, what happens, Doug? They score. You know, and it's, I know... And I said this on Saturday, just so everybody knows that I'm not just hitching my bandwagon instantly to Keith and thinking everything is sunshine and rainbows. I said Saturday in my prediction season video, or no, it wasn't Saturday, it was the Arizona game, my apologies, that this will take time. I didn't even expect them to win against Arizona myself, but I said it will take time for this coach to implement his systems his way to playing and the way he wants to break things down and make it work for his vision of this team now. But they came out of the gates, excited, the adrenaline pump, new coach, fresh, and they got the victory. And Doug, I have to say, Travis Dermott's quote, oh my God. Did you hear what he said? Uh, which one are you referring to? The Dermott quote where Sean McKenzie is interviewing him, I believe it was on Saturday night, where McKenzie asked him uh, something about Babcock or something about Keefe, and he just said the guys actually want to play for them. Yes, yeah. So, I mean, that quote right there, and I mean, you can read into it, I guess, all you want, but if you read into that quote, it just tells you that this team did not want to play for Babcock. They, they were done with him, they weren't going to show him any effort, they weren't going to play properly. I know these guys are professionals, you're paying, paying millions of dollars, but I guess when a message is not there, or, as we're starting to hear, the treatment isn't there, and all of the players together come together and agree that it's no longer going to be the way that they're going to go, to hear a quote like that from Travis Dermott tells a whole heck of a lot. Well, I mean, I'm
0: I'm looking forward to when Keith finally gets his. System. I think you just said this, but I'm looking forward to when his systems truly are in place. Um, they were kind of propped up on uh, on sticks for the past couple games. Uh, but but yeah, when like the wins, the win like the two wins we got, that helps the new coach player relationship get off on the right foot for sure. Um, you like you know if you come in and you keep losing the way you've been losing and it, it hurts. Um, now there is going to be some criticism uh, about Sheldon Keefe uh, or not I shouldn't say not necessarily about Sheldon Keefe uh, but more broadly kind of the way things about the team like so Keefe hasn't had very much time to enact anything two games is not enough you know I think maybe they've had one or two practices maybe a few more Uh, instead what we're going to be talking about are things that he needs to fix and I think that Keefe coming in and replacing Babcock Highlights uh, those things that need to be fixed because it's becoming more and more obvious you know which aspects aren't working what problems the the team really has and maybe even a few players that uh, that could use either some correction or dare I say some trades because as we, we talked about on our four pillars episode. There are four pillars to the Leafs' table of crappiness that they've been eating from. And although we, they've removed one leg, and that table of crappiness is certainly showing some wobble, uh, there's still at least one more leg that needs to go to completely tip it over, in, in my opinion. Um, whether that necessitates full-on trades or some other kind of movement in the organization, we will definitely be getting into uh, in a bit
1: here. Well, you know, we can jump into it right now, to be honest with you. You know, you look at Sheldon Keith, so we'll, we'll break it down, you know, piece by piece. So, Sheldon Keith hasn't had much time to do much with this squad as of yet, but what he has done is put players. In positions to succeed, and what I mean by it, I'll use Tyson Berry again as an example. You give him the chance to be on the number one power play unit, something that I've been crying for all year, Doug, and you know it. That's something that I've been saying he should be doing. I know Morgan Riley's there, but hey, both those guys are like wingers anyways. They free flow, they rover, they do all of that kind of stuff. So those two on the power play, and then you see Tyson Berry creep down low. You see Tyson Berry, actually, the entire defense corps is now activated, and you see guys going in, and you see other guys coming back and covering. It's just the buy-in already is there. I know it's two games, but they like what they get to be able to do. And then moving a bigger guy like Mikhaev up to play on the second line, that was pretty good. But the thing that really got me excited, and I said this to you, I believe in our Google Docs, getting ready for the show, is Elliot Friedman pointed it out on the broadcast. He had guys playing in the triangle, and the coverage down low, and the swarm they were putting on. It was just something we haven't seen out of this team. It was more focus. It was more drive, and these guys were doing different things. And now today, they're in Toronto, and guess what? They're doing practices, but they're using two rinks. The D was by themselves, and what were they working on? Something that Mike Babcock said should only be worked on in the summer. The D was working on skills. Skills, 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 which is awesome. Something different. Shake up the monotony in practice and do something different, and that's what they've done. And then I read a tweet today that Austin Matthews, I believe it was Terry Koshan, said, Austin Matthews has perfected... The Svechnikov, watch out for it in a game. That is going to be something fun to see. But it appears Sheldon Keefe, you know, Babcock motivated by scare tactics, and that's something we will get into here in a bit. But Keefe seems to be motivating and getting this team going right now by loosening the reins and letting them go and letting them play. I'm wondering what your thoughts is on that kind of coaching style. Uh, that's That plays
0: into... The skill set of our players, the thing I want to harp back on uh, is that uh, everybody, and I do mean everybody, was going nuts about the Leafs' need for better defense uh, going into the next playoff series and going into playoffs this year, uh, which, you know, we sh- maybe we shouldn't even be talking about anymore just based on uh, how this season has started. But, yeah, whatever. Um, we needed better defensive play, so we were gearing up towards that so the systems that we were trying to force these guys to play into that was they were all playing into being a more defensive hockey team at least that's I think that was part of what the goal was Um, will setting these guys loose fix that short term probably it's gonna it's gonna start getting us goals uh, and then maybe with the roster changes that have been made uh, we just are better defensively and that will come to light um, but that's that's something that's yet to be determined, uh, at least in my opinion, especially now that we, uh, we have this, this new system, new coach coming in and stuff. Uh, one contrast that I'm going to point out is if you look at the difference between the Arizona game when all the guys are riding high on finally getting a new coach and blah, 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 versus the Colorado game, and if you, you look at the contrasts and the differences between those two games, I think that is going to bring to light the true issues uh, that this team has and we're going to find out just how good of a coach Sheldon Keefe really is and whether he's able to correct those issues. Um, namely, and I don't want to jump into, jump too far ahead here, but uh, the first minute of our game against uh, Colorado on Saturday, that in a nutshell is, is what is wrong with this hockey team. Um, you're, you're talking, again, we're giving up the first goal. Again, we're giving up the goal in the first couple minutes of the hockey game. Again, we have guys not coming out for a full 60 minutes of hockey. Uh, So none of those things had anything to do with Mike Babcock. We know that now because if it was just if it was just a Mike Babcock thing, that would be over and done with even to even one game, two games in. We wouldn't be having that issue. So I'll say that much at least is that there is some responsibility that the players are going to have to take. Uh, Now, I think that you have to make that mistake Uh, In order to learn from it and know for those players to know that, okay, that this is on us. This is something we have to correct. This isn't something having a new coach is going to fix. So I'll say that. But if it's a trend that continues to happen, that's when I think we're going to go back to questioning um, whether or not. Keith really is uh, cut out for this I know that's like a little it's gonna come off a little harsh because I do think that he I actually do think he'll be able to correct this but that's that's just an example of one of these types of issues that is going to persist beyond just having a coaching change and these are things that you can't aren't just fixed by having a new coach they're things that need to be worked on and corrected so
1: yeah well, I'll say this about the, the first goal in Colorado, and you may back me up on this or you may call complete bullshit, but that goal from the point from Nathan McKinnon it was a soft one by Freddie Anderson, one he would have loved to have back, and he's, you all know Freddie Anderson. He doesn't let in very many soft goals. We excuse October because Freddie October is a different goaltender altogether. Yeah. Once he gets his game together, we know goals like that don't go in. It was a point shot that just had seeing eyes, and it got into the net. That one For whatever reason I can say Numerous amount of things about But I'll say I'll put that goal I know it was the first goal against I'll put it aside Because the rest of that period We Beat them pillar to post We did everything we needed to do To get a lead And we'll get into the 60 minute thing Here in a second Because I have a couple theories Um, But we did well The rest of that first period So that first goal Yes it is a problem Yes it was an issue But That is something that, yes, they will work on. But also, to go back to what you just said and to add on to it, being the new head coach of the Toronto Maple Leafs, maybe seeing those first goals go in and seeing how the team reacts and seeing what happens, maybe, like you just said, you need to experience that as a new coach firsthand to understand the temperature of the bench, what is going on on the ice, why is it happening, and where can you interject to fix it? Is it a personnel issue in the first couple of minutes? Should you have somebody different out there? Should you be doing this? Should you be doing that? But experiencing it firsthand and seeing what the temperature of everything is is a way you can get a pretty good read of it. Um, now, for the rest of the game, here's my my thinking on the whole thing. We all know playing Colorado was easy. They're the mile-high city for a reason. Um, legs may not have been there. Also, it may have been the key for madness hangover from the Arizona game you're all hyped up the adrenaline's going especially this game they had you know everyone come out on the ice for you know hockey fights cancer night so maybe for whatever whatever it is the hangover may have been there from the first game the legs went being tired playing up in the Mile High City Mm. then on top of that you're playing Kadri the Barry the Barry tribute salute a lot of emotions in that game and a lot of ways that things can get lost in the shuffle. So I mean, I'm not excusing the fact that didn't play a full 60, but I will say this, Doug, it was very nice to see them hold on and win the game. So if it was I'm very nice, yes,
0: it was. Um, if I'm recalling correctly, we got three three goals. Four was that? We did we get all four goals in the first period?
1: Yeah, it was four to one.
0: First so period. okay. So the flip side of that is we didn't have a shot against Colorado uh, for the first. I think it was almost seven minutes, like. That's, so if it was just giving up the first goal then yes I could excuse that but it was giving up the first goal and then not getting a shot for the next five six seven minutes after that that really got to me um, that's like I said that's an issue that okay huh. now Keith has had the chance to see it uh, yep. we're gonna see if he's able to correct it it could be you know you could possibly attribute that to Colorado uh, high elevation and all all the other stuff you mentioned but um,
1: well, but that's what it, like I was I thinking said, for the first few minutes, right? I mean, yeah, you, I, I could see not that. Not a lot of teams get a get off on a jump, especially like I said, the hockey fights cancer happened that night as well. Yeah. So you have to long on the long layoff and
0: yeah. ten minutes or so. Yeah. It's just the question is, it does it become a trend, right? That's what it is, nope. and it, will this that's trend exactly persist? Right. Yep. So we don't have enough information to make a judgment call on that yet. But uh, I will say that, like I said, if you contrast that to the first uh, seven minutes of the Arizona game. Um, then you start to get an idea exactly uh, what needs to be fixed, some of the issues this team has that are going to persist beyond the coaching change.
1: Oh, for sure. But And like I said, and I said this in the video and I'll say it again and I've already said it tonight, this team is going to need an adjustment period and it's going to take time. Not everything's going to be fixed quickly and I know everybody's happy that we've won two in a row, which is freaking wicked. And Wednesday night, who knows, we may jump out and get another victory. I hope that we do. But at the same time, Everything that Keith is going to put into this team and get rolling, he still has the same defensive pairs of Babcock. He's still rolling some of the same lines as Babcock. But what he's doing is he's playing players more in all positions. So it's no longer just the fourth line taking defensive zone faceoffs. It's Tavares, it's Matthews, it's Nylander, etc., etc., etc. So to say the two games that we've watched It's great that Keefe has picked up two victories. It's great for the genuine giving the puck and passing the ball and doing all the fun things and bringing this team together. It seems like Sheldon Keefe is a guy that will not only gel with the team, but will also gel with the general manager and Kyle Dubas. As I've obviously said before, they've come up through the Sioux, they've come up through the AHL, now they're together in the NHL. But to piggyback off the Colorado game, there was a play in that game that is unfortunate that happened. I know Kerfoot used to play for that team, so he felt bad when it did happen. But the hit from behind, he had numbers all the way. There was no excuse. Kerfoot shouldn't have done it. He should get suspended. But my problem here is... My absolute problem, and we'll talk about this later. You have a guy who spits on a guy who gets more games, and then you have a guy who basically breaks a man's back in half and gets four games. So, uh, is what Kerfoot did half as bad as what Bertuzzo did? Who knows? No, No I'm just saying. But I'm just saying. We'll talk about the Bertuzzo thing because I want to talk about that at length for just a couple of moments. But the Kerfoot thing, it is a suspension. It two sucked that it happened. He he did. He got handed down a two-game suspension. Yeah. Um. You know, he feels bad about it. You could tell as soon as the hit happened, he was talking to Johnson and he felt bad about it. So, we take that, we look at it. Crappy situation. Okay. Serve your two games. Let's move forward. Me Pierre Ingval is going to get a step up in the lineup. I really like what that kid has brought. But, Doug, I want to know your opinion on the hit from Kerfoot and what you thought when it happened.
0: So, I think... Uh... I'm not sure that it should have been a suspension, all right? I could have two minutes or four minutes. I feel like a suspension is a little harsh. We've seen... Okay, we like, you're talking... Here's the thing, all right? Kerfoot had to go into that hearing with a broken face from a hit that d- did not result in a suspension. And then they hand out a suspension to him for that, something that he didn't... When he makes contact with the Colorado player, uh, they're basically even with the goalie's crease. Like, that should be enough time for... In most situations, for that player to either feel the hit and compensate so they don't smash headfirst into the boards or whatever, uh, the fact that it was right from behind, I think, is why the NHL ended up handing out the suspension. I mean, it looked pretty bad. The player was down on the ice and legitimately, legitimately uh, feeling uh, the the effects of that hit. And I think that's why we ended up seeing the suspension. But I don't. I just don't agree that it should have been. I mean, two games is a fairly light suspension, but I just don't think that it needed more than a two- or four-minute penalty. I mean, part of the part of the impetus is on the hitting player to make sure that their hit's going to be safe, and you could make the case that Kerfoot didn't do that, but what the hell happened with the guy that decked him in the face and broke his jaw? Like, you know what I
1: mean? Like, Well, that hit there was from Jeff Carter in the LA Kings game, and the way that it was explained to me when I reached out and asked, uh, I was told that the... the Principal point of contact was not directly to the head; it was a hit that rode up and then traveled to the head. Yeah. So basically, from your your shoulder or your your midsection, and he led up and in, and that led to the dental fractures. Unfortunately.
0: Well, either way, uh, there is uh, there's another suspension that I feel like you can contrast that against. Is do you think that Bortuzzo's uh, cross check to the guy's kidneys while he's down on the ice? is only worth three games more than what Kerfoot did. Like that's No, he
1: got two games more than Kerfoot did. He only he get got five? four. He only
0: got four. No, okay. he got four. So that's, I mean, that's just, that's ridiculous. Doug, Those two Doug things, gonna... th- one of them is an intent. One of them is a guy trying to play hockey and making a bad split-second decision. And yes, he should be disciplined either by a two-minute or four-minute penalty, getting a game ejection, you know, something. He should, he deserves that. But to put that even... So that it's even close to the same level as what Bortuzzo did, which was a deliberate attempt to hurt a player. That's ridiculous. That's like...
1: No, what no, what Bortuzzo did was absolute, and Doug, I don't care, was absolute chicken shit. Yes, yeah, absolutely. He cross-checked a guy into the net, when he's down. looked at the ref, and acted... No, no, hold on. He cross-checked him into the net to begin with. I mean... To begin with, he put him in that position, and then he looked at the ref who put his arm up, and looked at the rep because he was calling a penalty so out of rage because that guy drew a penalty because you cross-checked him into the goddamn net. You decide to take it upon yourself to cross-check a man and take him out of the NHL for four to six weeks, and you get to sit on your ass for four games and come back. That guy may never (laughs) be the same. His back may never be the same. I have a wife right now who's dealing with a sciatic issue, and she may never be the same from it. So you imagine getting a stick driven across your section on the lower end of your back and you don't know what that can do to you down the road. Yeah, he may come back and have a great few years but when he's older that's when things start to set in and we all know your bodies break down when you get older what is that going to do to him down the line? What Robert Pertuzzo did was absolute crap you don't do that, you're angry because you're getting a penalty so you drill your stick into the guy and who the hell is Jordan Bingentine for that? He goes and shoves the guy afterwards? Because he's angry? you'll oh, get the hell out of here, dude. When did you become a tough guy? You're a goaltender. Last year, you were a nobody. You're lucky you won the goddamn cup. I think that was chicken shit from Bortuzzo and absolute crap from Bennington. afterwards. The guy is now hurt. And I love, absolutely love what the Nashville Predators did with the tweet that they sent out as a result of the cross-check. Victor Arvidsson will be out for four to six weeks because they're seething. This guy is a known guy who goes after people. Hell, he fights his own freaking teammates in practice. This guy should have got a Rafi Torres size suspension. Send a message. Because what you just sent was a four-game suspension that it's okay to injure guys. It's okay to goon it up because you're not going to be gone for that long. This guy is a guy with a known suspension in history and that's what you give him? That is absolute crap and I don't care what anybody says there is zero defending that guy absolutely zero don't come at me with it I will not hear it that is crap Robert Bertuzzo that was chicken shit
0: so I'm not defending him all right this is not a defense of Bertuzzo I agree with you but I can tell you that the defense the going defense of him is that he thought the guy was faking it and was giving him a little shot to be like "Uh, you're you're embellishing and blah 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 and like we know if he if, calls
1: that a little shot, I'd hate to see a full yeah, force
0: hit. But that's that's what I that's the the defense that I've seen on Twitter. So I don't I don't agree with that take. Um, but I do see the where they're coming from. I don't agree, but I see the I just
1: see well, why. Well, he tried the same. He has people had the same argument when he did it to Brock Nelson because this isn't the first time he's done it.
0: That's what I was just going to say. Is this is a guy that has history and the like? It just, just you know, if a guy's down on the ice and he's faking it, you don't. I'm sorry, it doesn't matter why the guy's down. It's dirty to hit a guy that's down. Regardless, I mean, to me, the cross like there's been worse cross checks. All right, straight up, there's been harder cross checks in this league. Oh, for and sure. They only hit, result in two minutes. That's not the bad part. The bad part is that it was a guy who was down that wasn't expecting it, that couldn't see it. That's why hitting from behind. And we've talked before about how uh, checking from behind has turned into this stupidity where they don't call actual open ice checks from behind. It's all about smashing guys into the boards, and guys will turn their back. Uh, intentionally to stop a guy from hitting him and we've talked about that before we said that i like or at least I've said that uh, Turning your back intentionally so that the guy's gonna hit you into the boards You should be given a penalty much in the same way that you are given a ticket for not wearing a seatbelt You're not keeping yourself safe uh, So you get a ticket for that just this is, I think it should be the same thing in the NHL If you turn away from a check so that a guy basically uh, Has no time to react and ends up hitting you from behind you should be given a penalty as well uh, this is not that. This is a guy that was down on the ice. There was no reason for him to. He was out of it. Even if he's faking it, he's out of that confrontation. He's out of that play. Giving him that shot is just an intent to injure. And if you were on the street and you did that to someone, you'd go to jail. So I. Yeah. Think that What I've seen on Twitter is a lot of people saying that uh, Bortuzzo should be out for as long as the player is injured. And I don't know that I'm if that's the way to go about it. But it certainly feels. Like it would be justice.
1: Yeah. I'm all for it. If you want to be, if you want to weaponize your hockey stick and use it to take a guy out then you should be prepared to sit for as long as he's sitting. And I don't give a rat's ass when anybody says about that because it's absolutely ridiculous Inle- to use in- your stick as a weapon. Unless- like you just said, it'll be a charge on the street. You'd go to yes. jail for a very long time for maiming someone like that. So maybe think with your freaking head. You're in the NHL with lots of people watching, lots of kids, and you don't think that someone when they're angry now at a younger age may pull the same crap you did? be a goddamn role model and smarten the hell up.
0: However, I do have one exception and that is for whichever guy in the NHL decides to spear Brad Marchand in the gut. <laughs>
1: Listen, I, you know, I don't like the rat marshan, but ain't nobody deserve none of that, none of that stick work. Go ahead and drop the, drop your silky mitts and knock them out. But, Jesus Murphy. But anyways, we're we're heated up, we're ramped up. So you know what? Let's let's jump into the Babcock, the juicy steak that is. The things that are flying around. Obviously Babcock fired, and here comes all the stories. And one story that broke over the weekend, and our friend who's come on this show, Terry Koshan did break it. So shout out to Terry. The fact that Mike Babcock had Mitch Marner list the players who worked the hardest to the least hardest and then went to apologize after the fact, according to Elliot Friedman, because uh, he did reach out to Mike Babcock and Babcock said I did apologize afterwards. Lou Lamorello also apologized to Mitch Marner for this. So I'm going to ask you one question before we get into everything about Mr. Mike Babcock. We are winding down for time. But does this now explain the fact of why Mitch Marner wanted every single dime for his contract? Why he was so stuck in his ways of making sure he got paid. Because he did not want to play for this coach. He wanted to be a Maple Leaf. But he did not want to play for this coach. And by all things accounted for, it looked like he was going to be playing for this coach for the foreseeable future because Babcock obviously was signed. So then you learn about this. You learn about the fact that they kind of screwed him over on his rookie bonuses. All these things are coming to light. Now you're wondering, was Mitch Marner going to be happy playing underneath Mike Babcock? Yes, he had great seasons. Yes, things were going okay for Mitch. But at the same time, now maybe we understand, maybe a little light we shed on the fact of why Mitch Marner didn't take such a sweet deal. Maybe that's why Willie didn't take a sweet deal, why Austin Matthews didn't take a sweet deal, because of what has happened within that locker room and the stories we're hearing. So, Doug, before we jump into some of those other stories, I'm wondering what you think of that notion.
0: That uh, that Mitch Marner signed for more because of, of Babcock, I don't... I mean, I feel like that's a bit of a media manipulation tactic on the part of the Leafs uh, to try and get some more goodwill uh, in favor of Mitch Marner going again. Um, but at the same time, it it does make sense uh, to a certain extent. I could I could understand that and see that. The flip side of that is, as I, I think we said this on the last episode again, was that John Tavares, uh, part of the reason he signed in here was because he wanted stability in the coaching and wanted to make sure Babcock would be around for a while and that was what he was told when he was signed so I see a contrast between the two things um, the one thing that really kind of gets at me about the whole thing and I'll, and we have had it confirmed that this is something that's happened you know Marner's been interviewed about it in the media and stuff but uh, if players don't didn't like playing for Babcock if he's known to be a, that type of coach that players do not like why would a guy that played for him Brendan Shanahan hire him why? That just to me, that just doesn't make sense. Um, thankfully, we were able to acquire this clip of Mike Babcock speaking to himself about the Marner situation.: You know what you must do.
1: Make him suffer.
0: make him wish he were dead. First, we attack his heart.)
1: Well, that's just it, you know? (laughs) It sounded like when he gave Mitch Miner that list, he was attacking his heart because Mitch Miner is the heart of the dressing room. They brought him on the road trip, for crying out loud, to bring the spirit of the Toronto Maple Leafs up, to get everybody happy, to get everybody jovial. So when Babcock gave him that list, that is a divisive way of doing things because he went and read that list out, which if Mitch Miner wasn't so good with the guys in the room and so much of everyone's call him a little brother or whatever you want to call him. You know, I don't know if it would have went over so well, but they understood what was happening. And I guess this isn't the only instance either. He's done this with equipment staff. He's done this with other teams. And here you have guys like... Mike Commodore, who everybody knows, has a huge vendetta against Mike Babcock. But then you have Mark Frazier coming out. Guys like Jeff O'Neill's coming out. You have all kinds of different stories being said and bantied about. So obviously, Doug, to answer your question, why would they hire him? They hired him because of his resume. And then the notion that people put out there, well, nobody likes Scotty Bowman, but everybody loved winning a cup. So here's the thing. If Mike Babcock was able to take this team to the promised land, you wouldn't, I've said this to you before about other things, you wouldn't be hearing a word about this stuff, and you also wouldn't have any media towards it because they would be winning. But what happens when you stop winning? What happens when the old shine comes off the diamond? Well, I'll tell you what happens. You get what happened now. Mike Babcock is no longer the coach of the Toronto Maple Leafs, and Sheldon Keefe is. So now you understand why this happened, okay? So, Doug, what do you think? Do you think that Mike Babcock should still be the coach? Or do you think that this was the right move? Because obviously he lost the room. He lost the players. He's lost every Aspect of this squad So what more possibly Could he have done Right or wrong I don't know The season got away from him And now Everything is coming Out of the woodwork Doug what are your thoughts What do you think Of the Mike Commodore stuff The Mark Frazier stuff What do you think Of Jeff O'Neill Today on Overdrive Ripping him a new one And it seems to be coming From every single direction I'm wondering what you feel
0: I mean uh, The guy is an old school coach That doesn't excuse What he did so the, the analogy that I read on uh, Reddit on a Reddit comment, this is just some random person that wrote this, was that I, he, the guy worked as a bricklayer and his boss told him that his uh, buddy said that you know he was he was he didn't work hard enough, and then that motivated that guy to lay those bricks faster. So if you're looking at it from a perspective of does this is this a, a tactic that works and is effective, then it it might it might work. Uh, I mean you could point to. Uh, Nazem Qadri uh, and his performance before and after Marner joined the team and you can point to Mitch Marner having 90 point seasons and you could say that it worked but at what cost right that's what it comes down to um, so I I think that it's I mean I don't want to say that this was something that needed to be done but I think that it's helped uh, I think that uh, the, the thing that I'm worried about okay is is although this might be exactly what needed to happen in terms of getting rid of Babcock, the thing I'm worried about is substitute teacher syndrome, which is you bring in this new coach and all the old rules and everything have, have all been loosened. Like this team started with Lou Lamorello, uh, Lou Lamorello, not even letting these guys, uh, making these guys shave and not letting them take the sponsorship deals and stuff. And now we've gone so far from that. Like this is such a different environment of a team. That I'm worried about substitute teacher syndrome, which is where the players act out, know they can get away with stuff they wouldn't normally. Um, I mean, part of that is you're going to see Barry hopping up in the play more. Is the other part of that going to be stuff that we don't see that happens off the ice? I don't know. I, I don't I, I know that there's the advantage of Keefe having had uh, coached a number of these players, so you got to hope that maybe that can mitigate quite a bit. Here's of that.
1: the gavel for that situation that you're yeah. bringing up there. Here's the uh, the good flip side of the coin, and you're the one who brought this up, so I'll just refresh your memory. The shield is broken, so Babcock is gone, so these players are no longer protected. So Sheldon Keefe is the coach, so if you think that you're going to give him substitute teacher syndrome and you're going to go and run rickshaw or do whatever you want, well, guess what the next thing to happen is? No, it's not the GM leaving. Nope, there's not going to be another coach fired. They're going to start shipping guys out, so unless you want to pack your shit... You better understand that you got to play for Sheldon Keith and the way that he puts this team together. And I think they're going to put this team together in a very exciting way for the fans and also a good, solid way on the ice. But I just wanted to say that because you were the one who said it before about the Shield. The yep. Shields are gone now. It's on the players to make this work and make it work quick.
0: Uh, it's true. And, uh, I mean, this just goes back to what we led the, uh, the episode off with about uh, the warning about, you know, figuring out, what Keefe needs to do to fix this team uh i feel like this coming out when it did is going to help him do that uh, i mean now now you know that 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 this old old school old old boys mentality just isn't going to work with this hockey team uh unless you want them to hate you which i don't think he does so yeah anyways uh
1: do well, we want to, to look- uh, Yep. This is this is the best way to do it. This week, we're not going to do a Warrior and we're not going to do Stars. The reason why we're not going to do it this week is I don't feel like we have enough sample size to judge. I want to say I'm happy they won two games. That can be the Warrior and the Stars for me anyways. But I wanted to leave the episode on a positive note and shut it down after this. Is You look at someone who's been around the team calling games for a long time and Mr. Jim Ralph. I'm going to read one quote. this is it for us guys it's like a cloud has been lifted with the maple leafs uh also i was pretty happy to see that
0: kessel Dunn got
1: fat again (laughs) all right guys that's offside for this week i hope you enjoyed it enjoy the least victories let's keep them coming check out prediction season make sure you check out each and every episode of the podcast huge shout out to muskoka spray foam insulation Huge shout-out to Drew and the crew over there for supporting us this season. If you need your home spray-foamed, check out msfi.ca today, and we are out.
0: Shazam. Yes.